Hey, everybody, it's time to roll for intent with the creator's corner. And I know we're not doing these as frequently, but we are still doing them. Although I will say for this one, we really tried hard to get the creators scheduled, but it just never worked out. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think we've set up three or four different times to do it. And just always one of the four of us had to drop out. But uh, hopefully they'll hear this and maybe they'll want to come on and talk about it after the fact. But yeah, we're we're. If, if that doesn't really tip you off as to what it is, we were trying to get a hold of Daryl Luttrell and uh, Tony Saunders. Team Plus. So it's that time. We're finally going to look at some Team Plus content. I know we've actually gotten quite a few requests from like our our Discord folk, and they've been really wanting us to tackle this. So it's nice to finally get to part of it. But there is a lot of stuff from Team Plus, and we're going to kind of be breaking this up. We are covering today, we are going to cover Clerics Plus and Oracles Plus. Start with the Divine. Heck yeah. And actually, we kind of, I went through Clerics Plus and Trevor went through Oracles Plus. So we're kind of going to go, you know, back and forth a little bit on it. But I focused mostly on that one, on Clerics, and Trevor focused on Oracles. So we can kind of give you guys a little bit more of a deeper dive than just the general stuff. Not to say that we didn't both look at both of them. It's just, it's a lot of stuff to be able to keep in your head. Because not only are these fairly long volumes, the text is tiny. There's a lot going on here. Indeed. So I say, without further ado, we just jump right in. Hit it. And starting with Clerics Plus, and the first thing you're going to get hit with is new cleric doctrines. And the first one is the Seeker Doctrine. This is a shout out to the, oh my God, the word just jumped out of my head, Um, Inquisitor. Uh, so this doctor is an absolute shout out to the Inquisitor, and it's a lot of fun. Uh, I read through this thing and I was I thought they did an awesome job with this. Uh, you, you have your standard doctor and benefits that you're gaining at first, third, seventh, 11th, 15th, 19th level. And they have a ton of feet support. Uh, a second doctrine is the armor clad doctrine, which you're going to suffer a little in your spell casting for it. But overall, you're getting more proficiency with armor and weapons. I will say that the armor clad doctrine is meant to be a stand in replacement for the war priest doctrine. We'll get into why that is later. But anytime you see armor clad in this book, you can substitute the war priest original doctrine that the, the armor clad is a straight replacement for the war priest if you're using this rule set. And it's a good replacement. I mean, it it really actually grabs a, a much stronger feel of a war priest than the war priest did. And I I think they really did a pretty good job of balancing these. Yeah, it feels a lot more like a one e cleric. Uh, we talked about off air before when we were discussing uh, some things about this book. Is that one e the cleric was definitely like a jack of all trades. Was a lot more versatile than it is in a two e. And this one gives a little bit more of that feel of a of a more of a the battle cleric than the war priest doctrine ever hoped to have done in two e. I, I think it's a good addition. And with the Seeker, instead of focusing kind of on Banes, which, you know, Pathfinder 2E has it, but it's nothing they really focus on. Uh, This goes more into devising a stratagem, yet it is done in a slightly different manner than what you would see on the Investigator. But it's still very cool and very fun. You can use it for your divine attack rolls if you want to. You can use it for your weapon attack rolls. But that's kind of how they... Yeah, that's the direction they steer this doctrine in. And I just thought it was a lot of fun. It was the first thing when I read through, I was like, this is really cool. I could totally get behind this. Yeah, and a lot of the stuff is really thematic, too. It's the Seeker and the fifth doctrine you get at 15th level makes you a master in perception and gives you a plus uh, to circumstance to sense motive and see through disguises. You are totally right in the inquisitor space with this thing. I could totally see this working with uh uh working with like a uh, uh, an investigator multiclass to really like stack that sort of thing together. It would be I think a really really fun way to do it. Yeah, and their uh feet support for clerics here is you know, they have 
going through the different levels, they have plenty of stuff that adds into the seeker and the armor clad doctrine, but they, you know, don't neglect the other existing doctrines either. I mean, you, even at first level, there is a cloister doctrine feat. So there is a lot of stuff that you can draw from, uh, you know, even fourth level, actually, I really enjoyed this. It was a metamagic free action feat called Traveling Channel. You've learned to channel while keeping on the move. If the next session you use is cast a spell from your divine font slots, you can stride up to half your speed before you cast the spell, which I cannot tell you how many times people have wanted to use a three action healing but not been in the right spot just by a square or two. And this is such a really cool way for the to allow you to do that. I like that they they gave a couple feats for feat support for the Mystic Theurge type playstyle where you get some arcane spellcasting to go with the divine spellcasting. I thought that was pretty neat to finally give uh, an option for that. And and the Theurgic Trickery at level 6, which has the uh, Cloister Doctrine prerequisite, you get Trick Magic Item to go along with it. So ways to expand the fairly anemic divine spell kit is, is pretty cool. I think. Yeah, there is some pretty fun stuff in here. And with the uh, additional, there's uh, quite a few things I really enjoyed with the armor doctrine of incorporating, you know, some combat strategy in with your, you know, your spell casting, it's reduced a tiny bit because you don't get expert, I think, until 13th level, I believe, if you go armor clad. So you you definitely get hampered in your spell DCs. But you know, to be honest, when you're doing that kind of, you know, war priest armor clad style, you're not that worried about your spell DCs. You're, you're already focusing on buff spells and healing spells. So your wisdom is not the, the end all be all of the character anyways. Zealous dash, you know, you could charge through battleground, uh, going where you were needed. You stride and cast a spell with a casting time of two actions or less that targets yourself. And this is a two action ability. So, you know, it lets you run up and cast a spell. So if you're trying to get up there and you need bless or heroism or even to heal yourself to get up there to stand with your other frontliners and, you know, help absorb some of the blows so they can back off a little. This is this is an awesome feat for that and very flavorful and on point for being able to, you know, fill that role in such a fun way. I, I thought it was an outstanding feat, honestly. There's some higher stuff that's really interesting, too, like getting the Prophet's Staff at level 18, which gives, you know, a, a magical staff to a cleric, which can be a pretty big deal um, to, to free up maybe some of those uh, lower level, uh, rarely used spells um, that you really want to have, like maybe Restoration or Remove Curse or things like that, to throw on a staff. Um, that you can have always with you and don't have to worry about constantly refilling your scrolls and stuff. Uh, I think it's a really neat one, and it, it'll serve as your uh, magical focus for your holy symbol as well. That's uh, a neat neat little 18th level feat for cloistered clerics. Oh, the Arise to Sainthood. I absolutely loved this was. You sort of become a god of the pantheon you're in. Like, you get to create your own anathema you can pick some of your own domains but basically like you are so powerful in the priesthood that other people start to look up to you as basically a saint in this and it's really cool there's a huge amount of text with it so i'm not going to jump into it but again just a very cool feat yeah the thing i like about that is like when you refocus it's like you're listening to the prayers of people that are praying to you as a saint and it allows you to regain a divine font spell slot uh whenever you refocus as well so it's another way to like keep those resources going granted this is a capstone and if you're playing with this you're just kind of fooling around at the end of a campaign but it's really cool yeah the last sentence followers of your deity immediately recognize you and are generally helpful and respectful to you. But yeah, that just tells you like what power level you're at, no matter where you go. If it is that God, everyone's like, Oh my God, look who it is. So <laughs> very cool. Uh, I have, the next like, thing I'm feeling that, strong life of Brian vibes when yes. I see this one. 
Uh, the next thing we get into after the feats is the denominations, which this is a really cool concept. It is taking the uh, existing gods of Galarian, which admittedly most of you who know me by now know I don't know a huge amount about them, but it is giving them different splinter cells and they basically have different alignments and a slightly different anathema. They have you know, different domains. It's it's a way to worship a god that, you know, other people are very used to, but in a completely different way. And it was a really cool take on it. It is incredibly creative. Right. It It's almost like giving an entirely new god to like the splinter faith feat or to, you know, rounding out more of the apocryphal domains and making it more specific. And these things are honestly, they're pretty lore appropriate, too. I, I really dig that. I know Christian's not a huge lore buff, but these are are really neat and lore appropriate. I want to go over a couple of them just really quick that I thought were really neat and really weird um, kind of edge case for the deity. They have a way that you can worship Lamash to as a chaotic good deity rather than a chaotic evil deity. And it makes sense because uh, there are certain sects of people in Galarian that worship her as a protector of, like, uh, uh, deformed and downtrodden and things like that. And just as a, almost like a fertility figure as well. It's a really interesting take on it. Um, and it has uh, chaotic good, so you can use this for more clerics in a in a in a campaign that murder hoboing is definitely not allowed if you want to have you know your character follow lamash to and don't want to be you know evil right it's a good way to do it now the spells they get this is going to kind of be a little bit of a bone of contention in this specific section because one thing i have to say about this area is the granted cleric spells for these gods are uneven i feel like and uh, Christian could probably speak to that in a little bit, but you get pest form, you get animal form, and you get aberrant form. Definitely things that lean into Lamashtu's monstrous side, uh, but not specifically evil monstrous side. I think it's neat. Yeah, and what Trevor is talking about, you know, Nethys, the broken mask, and this is a chaotic evil depiction of Nethys. And it's, you know, the edicts are you destroy the knowledge of others, disrupt balance, equilibrium, prepare for the end of time. So it kind of has a whole almost grotesque feel to it slightly. Anathema, you know, waste waste an opportunity to snuff out secrets forever, aid in preservation, the cosmic status quo, use your magic to aid others who won't further your plans. But when you get down to the uh the devotee benefits, the granted spells for this one, uh, they gain a spell at each level first through nine and i some of them are a little you know curious to me in a sense like sixth level there is disintegrate eighth level is horde wilting ninth level is implosion which you know i understand the you know trying to maybe destroy the knowledge of others in that but i don't know some of this kind of just feels like hey we want to give some you know really powerful attack spells to clerics because they don't get any so let's go with these I think the problem that I have with it is it most definitely is way more powerful for the Neth for Nethus. And if this was still a neutral deity in this depiction, I would agree with that. That would be fine because we all know that neutral deities kind of get a raw deal because yes. you don't do <laughs> neutral damage, right? And that's yeah. going to all change with, you know, the 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 revamp that we're getting in a few months. But this is a chaotic evil deity. They have harm, right? They have evil damage or chaotic damage, right? It does not make any sense to give them, A, such powerful spells that would not normally be available to them, and B, one at every single level. If this was still neutral and still had that problem, sure, absolutely, great, keep it that way. But it doesn't. Right. These are cool, and I think they're fairly thematic. I just think that this was a bit of a miss when the rest of them have at max three, and uh, the max spell level that any of them get is sixth, and most of them are only one through fourth. So, like, this is clearly a mechanically superior option, and I really don't think that there should be 
really any deities from that aspect, from like getting powers from the deity that are a clear, yes, this is absolutely what you want to do if you want to deal damage. I feel like that's a problem, personally. It's a minor problem within this, but it's something I did want to bring up that this one feels a little out of place. Yeah, and you know, right after it, Rovagug, the Law Eater, very fun one. You know, people are working within the laws to actually cause as much cruelty and injustice as they can through the laws. And I just like, <laughs> that's awesome. That's a lot of fun. And the spells on that, uh, first level, Burning Hands, second level, Animus Mine, and then fourth level, Ravenous Portal. I thought, the, yeah, the, those are those are good ones. Those are fun. And just like you said, you know, the the one, two, three, three spells and, you know, of varying levels. And I actually enjoy that, that it's not always a set in stone. Oh, you get a first, third and fifth level spell or what have you. That it's kind of in different places for different gods. So uh, this this was just a really fun one that I thought was pretty interesting. I, I like the lawful evil take on Rovagug. You know, I think I probably would have been like down with the Nethys one having some of those really powerful spells, like maybe a level nine and a level seven and a level one, because what that does is, yes, those are more powerful, but they're weighted more towards the end levels, right? You're losing out at the beginning of your career with this character to get more at the end, right? So it's not really about the power level of the spells. It's just about the fact that they get one for every level and nobody else does. It just feels weird. Does out of the core book is there any god that does that? Is there like a god of magic in Galarian that? For I mean, that is Nethus. Nethus is the god of magic. Okay, he is yeah. purely the god of magic. So is yep. his. Okay, so I'm thinking that's you know uh, I'm looking at Nethus now out of the core rulebook and that and Nethus there also is first through nine is the only one actually. Right, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that Nethus is neutral though. Yeah. Right. And if you're going to be a god of magic, you're expecting blasting. Well, they're yeah. neutral, so none of the alignment damage works. I imagine that's something that we will see rejiggered when we hit the the re revamping. Right. Yeah, we might see a Nethys that is definitely different. So yes, from a perspective of yes, they already do it with Nethys. Yes, he's the god of magic, but he's also neutral. So like, you can't divine lance with him. You yeah, well, Nethys is a hard like one that. anyways, because even under the follower list, it lists every alignment. It lists chaotic evil already as followers of right. Nethys, as yeah, well as, exactly. you know, neutral good and all this other stuff. So Nethys is an insanely tricky one. Yeah, I'm not saying that this is like a complaint like, oh, this is bad. It's just there were reasons I feel like neutral Nethys had more spells. There's not a lot of reason for this one other than, oh, well, neutral Nethys has more spells. We should have chaotic evil Nethys have more spells. I think they should have just weighted them higher, maybe. Whatever. Minor blemish on that section, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. No, it's very minor thing. And there's not a ton of these. There is not one for every god. Uh, you know, they, they grab a handful. I think there's about eight or nine gods that they, they go over this with. So very, very fun. Uh, after that, we hit vocations, which I thought was a pretty interesting concept. It's basically you're kind of picking up additional anathemas and edicts, but you're also, you know, you're gaining a few little extra things for it as well. And, you know, I'm just going to read you guys one of these just to give you an idea, because it is kind of a really new thing, like a you would take the vocation of beacon. You are a leader and inspiration to the guy and a guide to the members of the flock empowered by divine. You do what you can to motivate others as you do fighting from the front lines, acting with honor. You know, there's a whole little litany here. Uh, additional edict lead and inspire others to do great things as dictated by your deity's goals. Additional anathema show weakness or hesitation that leads to consequences of significant nature. Uh, you gain divine skill. You replace your your deity's divine skill with diplomacy. Favored weapon. You are not trained in your deity's favored weapon. Instead, you can spend a single action to raise your deity's focus to grant allies within 15 feet a plus one bonus against emotion effects. When you would become an expert in your deity's favored weapon, you instead increase the range to 30 feet. Alternate dom domain. You can choose the confidence domain and additional or replacement cleric spells. You replace a spell equal or higher level with endure as a first level spell. If your deity would already grant you one first level spell, you must select that spell when choosing 
what spell to replace. So as you can see, kind of a, a very minor thing, but a, a fun way for you to expand on your cleric and give them a slightly different purpose instead of just this very general, I'm here to heal the party. It's a really good role-playing tool to kind of help keep you focused on your character that like, hey, this is what I do. And, you know, giving you better skills to accomplish that. Right. It's like a role within a church, something I've always kind of wondered about some of these divine spellcasters, especially ones that are getting support from the church. What do they do within the church? Right. A cleric is very vague. Right. An inquisitor, they do a specific thing. They hunt down heretics and, and enemies of the faith. Right. What does a cleric do? A cleric can do a lot of stuff. They can lead a flock. They can provide sucker. They can be, you know. One of these vocations is heretic, where you try to subvert the notoriety of another faith. <laughs> so right. there's a lot of fun things there. It's I, I like this as something that this is a cool design space that I think exists for most classes. I think this would be a really neat thing to tack on to most classes because, like, cool, you're a barbarian. What do you barber? I know it's a joke, but still, <laughs> what is it that you're doing? Right? Are you just pillaging? And what what do you do during your downtime? I mean, there's got to be barbarian like shoemakers or whatever, right? Uh, somebody's got to provide for things that they can't always pillage. I mean, we kind of have it with alchemists because their their specialty kind of matches with the vocation. But like a psychic, what what do you do? What's your job? Are you like a, are you a hero psychic? Reader, or, you know, are you a palm reader? Do you like count cards? What do you do? I like it. I like it thematically as well as mechanically. I think it's cool. Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. And I I agree. This is an awesome design space that could creep over into all of the classes. Honestly, it giving giving players more tools to role play is a great thing it, to, to help, especially for new players, because sometimes they are so lost as to, you know, what they're supposed to do and they don't know what to do and they're new to role playing. And so they just kind of sit there quietly. So, you know, anything you can give them to, you know, help guide them in to building a persona for their character is it's worth its weight in gold. And this was this was a great way to do this, I think. Yeah, I think it it just works really, really well, too, for clerics, because like a cleric's background is what were they before they joined the faith? And a vocation is like, what what do they serve? What function do they serve within the faith? Really neat. And I think, like I said, I think most classes could deal with something like this, like an expanded, even like just an expanded background or something. Really cool. Lastly, we get to the war priest class archetype. And I will say this, I feel, is a, a little out of scope with what Pathfinder 2E is. This is, you know, this is a different power level than we've seen with any other archetype. And we've we've looked at a few things. So it's there's it's got a lot going on. And actually, Trevor and I spent a, a good deal of time talking about this before the we even started this recording. And you you gain you gain your sacred decrees uh, very much like a cleric. And there are numerous different doctrines you can choose. And these doctrines have a whole host of abilities they give you. But just like with the cleric, you get them at all of these different levels. But there's no feats for that. As soon as you have picked this dedication, you're getting these. Even if you have specced out of this at, you know, at eighth level after you've picked other feats that go along with this, you're still getting all of these things all the way up to 17th level. So there, there is a considerable amount here. It does put a really interesting take. It gives you spell casting that is very much like out of Secrets of Magic, where it changes how you get spells, uh, much like the Magus or the Summoner. We see this spell progression where you only have two spell levels at any given time, and as you gain a higher Spell level, the, the lowest one you have is dropping off after you have two. So you and you do only you do gain less spells. You're only gaining two spells per level with this, but you're also still getting your font. They do it in a slightly different manner. It's purely based on your level. You get two font spells to start with, and then at seventh, you get three, at 13th, you get four, at 19th, you get five. 
But even beyond that, when you you pick, there's these you three different decrees that you can pick: the Warsworn Ecstasy, the uh, Herald Binding, and the last one is the Sanctified Slaying. Each one of these is, I mean, you get, you know, you get master weapon training, you get, you know, you get master casting ability. Actually, you get legendary still because clerics get legendary. It doesn't change that. And with the also, you know, the herald binding, you, you gain an animal companion that is far beyond any other animal companion. But on top of all of this, you still get feats at all of the levels. You still have a fourth level feat, a sixth level feat a eighth level feat and i could see me having some room with this if you're you're not using free archetype but even so this is still like way better than taking even a standard cleric arc to archetype like it it just blows it out of the water so i don't feel the power level is on par with pathfinder now do i think it's bad uh, you know, if you're doing a game with normal with the other characters that don't have this, that character is so going to outshine those characters. But if you have a whole group of people and you have stuff that is along this venue and everyone's having fun, th- this is a, a high impact, high fantasy, definitely high power type thing. So you absolutely can have fun with this. But, you know, just for your standard game, I, I would say it's it's a little a little just a tad bit over the top for me. Yeah, I, I think my biggest problem that I have with it is it, you get so much for losing so little, right? And I'm not saying that, like, to get benefits, you should absolutely dumpster a class, right? But what I'm saying is the other class archetypes don't do nearly as much as this does, whether it's, like, the, uh, the Rune Lord class archetype, or the Wellspring Mage, uh, none of them give you this level of power upon power within the class. It also becomes with the uh, errata of Sixth Pillar Dedication, which Paizo thought was out of line, so they eroded Sixth Pillar to get rid of Master uh, Weapon Proficiency alongside Legendary Spellcasting. And this gives it to you without any feed investment. You just get it when you hit a certain level. That's my biggest problem, I think, with it. It's like you get all your Cleric stuff, except for a few fewer spells, but you also get all of this Decree stuff. And some of this Decree stuff is ridiculously good. Without feed investment. Oh, yeah. You could you could not be playing free archetype and just take the level two war priest class archetype and become way, way better than virtually any other cleric on the field. Everything up to this point, I thought was great. I I really enjoyed it. It is such a great addition. I personally probably would not allow this archetype, but everything else from this book, I, I have you know, zero issue with. I think it's a, a fantastic addition. I would still highly recommend it. Uh, but yeah, I, I do feel the War Priest is probably just a, a tad bit out of touch with the standard power level of Pathfinder 2E. But with that, we are starting to run, you know, I think we've eaten a little bit over half our time. So let's jump into Oracles. And I you know, know Trevor had a we fantastic hit, time with Oracles. <laughs> we just hit 30 minutes. As far as recording time, some of that's going to get cut out, right? But, I mean, we're not as bad as I thought we might be at this point, because we we went over. I, I still want to stress 100%. I can recommend this book. Period. I think it's a good book. Oh, yeah. I have issues with the power level of the War Priest archetype. However, it's not... It's not absurd. I mean, I, you, I know I use the word absur- absurd to, to, re- to, to describe some things about it. Maybe I didn't. I might have to cut that out. Who knows? <laughs> but it's, it's not like some Mary Sue, unkillable, unflappable thing. It's just, you know, instead of tuning the dial to like, you know, seven or eight on power, you know, this thing's up to 11. It's 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 a bit beyond most things, but it's not 
completely overwhelmingly outshining other stuff. So don't don't get that opinion. This is perfectly fine for like a fun game that you all just want to feel like you're, you know, crazy roided out uh, uh, gods beating the crap out of stuff, which is fine. That's a specific type of fantasy that I'm not going to yuck anybody's yum about. It just isn't the way I play. And I know that's not the way that Christian plays either. But if that's the way you play, by all means, go for it. This is rad. 100%. I think it's cool. It's just not necessarily something I'd like at my table. That doesn't mean it's right. That doesn't mean it's wrong. Yeah, it just runs at a different power level. Like, you know, as you said, it's, it's this nothing. It's not bad in not well done. I mean, the amount of things in here are very cool. And there are some fantastic concepts in here and some wonderful additions that I think are, I would love to see applied in other places. It, for me, it's just all too much. It is like if you were to say I'm playing a cleric and I could either take war priest or I could get, you know, champion and magus and sentinel, you know, I could get all three of these or war priest. What would I take? And I would say war priest. I will get more if I just take war priest than something that combined all three of those. Right. Can you so imagine that, taking to me? That's my. Yeah, that's my bellwether for, okay, yeah, this is a little overtuned when I can easily look at any number of other archetypes and go, yeah, no, this is still better. <laughs> you could straight up take, uh, like, War Priest, right? And then take uh, uh, a Sorcerer or an Oracle, right? And then, you know, a Sorcerer that has Divine Spells and an Oracle, and then just fix that deficiency with Spell Slots. Oh, I mean, yeah. yes, a little feed investment, but I mean, the two by two spell plus slot isn't nearly as big of a problem when you've got legendary spell proficiency and master weapon proficiency and all those font spells, right? It's, it seems fun, though. It does seem fun to play. I ain't gonna lie. I want to touch <laughs> one more thing before we leave. There is a big section of suggested errata oh, yes. uh, that goes in the end of this. Forgot about that. There's something uh, to amend um, some of the alignment-based feet proficiencies. So, like, if you're neutral and you took a heal font or neutral and you took a harm font, you can take the evil or good modified uh, alignment uh, feats. That's a good change, I think. Yeah. Um, altered channel smite a little bit. Nothing crazy, but made it a little bit better because it was a big risk to use as many actions to use uh, channel smite previously. Um, and there's a bunch more granted deity spells, which I'm a big fan of because I, I think that the divine spell list is pretty anemic. And, you know, if everybody's getting more deity spells, I know I kind of complained about how many Nethus got in the previous because of a couple different things. But if everybody's getting more deity spells, give it to me. I think it's cool because you're still limited by your spell slots. There's just a, not a lot of there's a lot of gaps in divine, especially for things like area denial and things like that, that this can fill out that you wouldn't normally get for divine. So I like it. I like the errata changes. Um, and I, that's probably one of my favorite things in this book is, is little errata changes. Uh, and I'll say most of this book is very, very well thought out for the things that they've changed and adjusted very well tuned. Just. Oh yeah. yeah. They spent a uh, they spent a lot of effort on this and it, it shows it is. Very well done. Very well written. Uh, the art is adorable. I I love the art in this. Oh yeah, the art's great. All Who the team plus has the same same art style. Was it? Yeah, Lonesome Chunk. It's Derry. Was one of the artists. Was it Derry? Oh yeah, Derry. No, Derry's Derry does the does the uh, artwork. Oh, awesome, awesome job, yeah. Derry. I love this art style. It is adorable. No, it's really cool. Oh, and all of these, I, I also want to say all of these have Foundry integration, Path Builder integration, Wanderer's Guide integration. I use them because I'm playing in a game that I'm playing in. I'm playing one of these Oracle options. And I will say, as we start Oracles, I hate Oracles the way they're written in the APG. <laughs> I hate them. I cannot stand them. They are anti-fun to me. They make me angry to play them. <laughs> However, I'm currently playing a Mountain Mystery Oracle, which is a mystery in this book. And I love this Oracle. It's so much better the way that it's been modified. We get a lot more mysteries. That's what we start with is a bunch more mysteries. And I think that's great. I, I didn't like 
the relative paucity of mysteries in the APG and the relatively limited scope of additional, you know, I don't know that we've gotten any more mysteries up to this point. Did we get one in the stolen? F- no, we didn't. Uh, I feel like one came from somewhere. I think an one? adventure path introduced one. I don't remember, remember which one. I I'm I also not might have, but I don't think they did. Huge Oracle fan. So I loved Oracles in 1E. I thought they were cool. And then I when the APG came out and the Oracle came out, you know, um, I didn't do anything with the playtest, so I wasn't, you know, into whatever they were doing with the Oracle. And it came out, and I felt so deflated when I saw how hard some of these uh, curses hit you, like the Ancestor's Curse and the Lore Curse are just, like, thematically awesome, but you take them and you might as well just, you know, not roll because you're just not going to succeed on a lot of stuff. It's it's troublesome. It's problematic. However, uh, we got a lot more mysteries. Um, We got a beast mystery, um, which gives you... uh, your benefits is you get like a jaw attack or a claw attack or an antler attack. Give you a uh, train skill survival. You get a uh, gouging claws a tran- as, uh, as your granted cantrip. Um, and your revelation spells are pretty cool. Uh, they give you something that's essentially like, uh, what is it? What's the charge feat that barbarians and fighters can get? I can never remember what it's called. Sudden charge. Oh, uh, with yes, a charge. Plun- with a plus 10 foot status bonus, right? So you can just close that distance, hit somebody with that gouging claw damage. Uh, they've got bestial howl, which is a, 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 a uh, demoralizing spell. And uh, consume the flesh, which you can eat your dead enemies and get some temp HP. Uh, the curses are are weird. The curses are thematic and uh, cool yeah, and do impart some negatives, <laughs> but they're so cool. Uh, the minor curse, um, you have problems doing things with the linguistic trait, which can be a problem. You have to do a DC5 flat check or you'll lose the action, and you have a minus one on your diplomacy checks at the minor curse. If you go up to moderate, you have the DC5 flat check on everything with concentrate except for refocus. But you get a scent, uh, imprecise sense, and you take more minus to your diplomacy check. When you hit your major cursed... <laughs> I loved the major confused. curse on this. <laughs> you are it does perpetually not go away. <laughs> confer- confused. It does not go away until you refocus. Right, you always target the creature that damaged you last, or the closest creature to you, if nothing has damaged you. Um, and you get a plus one uh, bonus to your attack rolls. Uh, you grow large. You get temp HP. Uh, when you end your turn confused and you're not unconscious, you can attempt to end the condition with a DC 11 flat check. But you don't get you don't get a chance to get out of it if you get hit. In fact, if you take damage while in the stage, you become confused again. This is so cool. And I think it fits the theme and it's an appropriate uh, problem to overcome through your play style and your build. I like it. And that's one of the things that I didn't like about the default mysteries that Paizo gave us is like it was either thematic and the curse was absurdly hard on you or the curse was not very not very awful but the theming was off it didn't fit the type of fantasy that i was looking for and this does so much to do that um i'm gonna hit the other one that i i really enjoy so much that i'm playing one of these in a game that i'm in right now bit of a spoiler uh it's the mountain mystery Uh, The mountain mystery is essentially you're slowly turning into stone. And the curse reflects that by as you progress in the curse, you can't move well. Um, Now, for the benefit is you get medium armor proficiency with a special armor that is essentially your body turning into stone. So that's cool. Gives you a little bit more more strength and brawn, you know, a little bit more ability to withstand attacks because you're a squishy little D6 class, right? Uh, And that can be a problem with some of these frontline Oracle builds, like the Battle Oracle. 
And you'll see why that's important for this, because the train skill it gets is athletics. It gives you scatter scree, which is a seriously underrated spell. It's such a great one. I love scatter scree. I think it's really cool. I love me some scatter scree. It is. Yeah. If you are not utilizing spells that make difficult terrain, you're you're just not playing. Oh, my God. Scatter scree is so good. (laughs) And the related domains are not the greatest. You get earth and might. They give you some cool stuff. I really like Might for this. And I'll get into that why uh, when we get a little bit farther on. Um, and also the mystery benefit is you can ignore the difficult terrain caused by rubble and uneven ground made of stone and earth. So you can ignore your scatter scree that you've set up to, to make a choke point or slow down your enemies or something. Now, the curses, your minor curse, you get a minus five foot status penalty. You cannot benefit from any status bonus to your speeds. You cannot overcome the penalty in any way. And you treat your degree of success on athletics checks to swim as one degree worse. That can be very, very bad. But when you go up to the moderate curse, you get a plus two circumstance bonus to athletics checks to force open, to shove. You lose more speed and you get a plus two circumstance bonus to your defenses against forced movement. And with your major curse, you lose some reflex speeds. You can never fly, even if you have the fly spell. (laughs) Um, Your stone skin becomes strong. You get a plus six item bonus instead of a plus four. Uh, Your speed penalty goes even higher. But then your skin armor gets the bulwark trait. So, so good, right? Offset that reflex save loss. You get the armor specialization effect for your stone skin. When you want to long jump or high jump and land on solid ground, you create a shockwave of greater difficult terrain around you. This thing is the area denial king, and I love it. It's so (laughs) good. This is the immovable object. So cool. They had their their granted spells or rolling rubble, oh, which allows yeah, their you to move spells 20 are feet. So awesome for this. So cool. You like allow the earth to just move you 20 feet, right? So overcoming using one of your focus spells to overcome that movement penalty. And everything you pass through is again difficult terrain. You have to end your movement in an unoccupied space. And it's not a stride, but it kind of works the same way as a stride. And as you heighten it, you can increase the distance. Raise Mountain's really cool. You create a cone of earth that just raises. So you can separate an enemy from your allies. Say that there's somebody right up in your in your allies' grill. You can raise the ground under them and move them up, you know, 15, 20, 30 feet, depending on how far you've heightened this, and pin them against the ceiling and they become immobilized against the ceiling yeah the mechanic on this is really really cool actually it it is a 15 foot cone and each square basically as you move out five feet each square it goes it raises up five feet however the next set of squares are all five feet higher than the previous square so as you're moving out it's like five feet then 10 feet then 15 feet and as you heighten this it adds five feet of length to the cone it is heightened plus two and is the third level focus but as it's going you're now going you know it goes out 20 feet and that one's going to be 20 feet up and then 25 feet now it's going to be 25 feet up so yeah this is this is really cool it's this an also awesome has design cool implications for out of combat right because you can there's this has a one minute duration so you can you know essentially make a bridge up to a higher level uh overcoming that problem that you have with your fly speeds and finally, they have Juggernaut of Jagged Stone, which gives you physical DR. You grow large. You can't use spells. You can't activate items. Um, and you can only attack things using a plus 22 fist attack that does 3d12 bludgeoning and something called Trample, which is exactly like what the, the large golems get, where you use three actions and you move through a square and everything has to make a save or they take damage. I love it. It's so cool. It's probably my favorite one in this book. It's probably my favorite Oracle mystery I've ever seen. I think it's so neat. Um, And that right there, to me, worth the price of entry for this book because it made me not hate the Oracle right there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Juggernaut of Jagged Because it's so good. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it is a fantastic, fantastic one. And there are some pretty cool, uh, 
mysteries here. We've got Beast, we've got Fate, we've got Frost, we've got Mountain, we've got Plague. Uh, let's see, we've got Radiance, we've got, um, what else do we got? Am I missing uh, one? Uh, dream. Song. Oh, song. Last song. One. Yeah. Reverie and Song. So, yeah, there is a lot here. And just like what we saw with Clerics, there is a huge amount of feats available to you. But I absolutely love the new trait. Trevor was telling me about it, and I had not read it yet when he was telling me about it. And the, the trance trait is freaking really cool concept. There are so many oh, awesome design things in here. I like, I, I mean, most of these feats, the feats that you get for this. I mean, I can't stop Bagushi, and maybe it's just because, to me, the Oracle in 2E was such an underwhelming class to me that these ads are so cool. Like, there is a a way in here, like, yes, you got to work it out with your GM, uh, but you can get a relic at level one and then upgrade that relic as you go as part of your Oracle feat selection. But what Christian was saying about the trance trait, imagine a stance forecasters there you go that's the trance trait all the trances have the concentration trait oracle trait but they also have this new trance trait they typically take an action to enter the trance and it's essentially you're becoming more in tune with your mystery so we have the trance of secrets where you essentially babble nonsense while you're in the trance but it's enough information, and all of these have different benefits based on what level your curse is currently at, which is another really cool thing. I love stuff that, like, has mechanical differences based on other mechanical differences of the class, right? The fact that this progresses along with your curse is great, but the Trance of Secrets allows you to give your allies that are within 30 feet of you that can hear you mumbling all this nonsense bonus on recall knowledge checks, or gives them a free recall knowledge check they can treat critical failures as just failures, right? As they progress higher and higher and higher in the trance. There's also a trance of seeing, which increases your perception and your ability to see through lies. The trance of instinct is great. It gives you a bonus to um, athletics checks as you completely just become one with your instincts and allow your body to kind of move on its own. And they have a trance of swaying, which is for um, reflex saves uh, and and movement, increase your movement. Uh, in fact, when you have trance of swaying and you're at your extreme level of your curse, you get freedom of movement on you. You just have it. It's cool, right? The fact that you're under your extreme curse and are probably going to have a problem pretty soon, notwithstanding... Uh, I think it kind of offsets the fact that it essentially gives you a free spell for a level four feet once you've hit your extreme curse. And some of them have extra riders depending on what uh, mystery you're on. And there are feet trees for each of these two. So each of the trances have feats that have trances as prerequisites that either give you reactions or augment the trance in some way. It's a really cool way to build out your oracle um, if you're going for a specific theme. Yeah, they have a lot of really fun themed stuff. Like the the bell tolls three times was just a really cool one. Trigger, you would be knocked to zero hit points and you are not overwhelmed by your curse. Uh, you basically deny the bell that rings for your death as a divine powers that fuel your mystery flare. You stay conscious at one hit point, but advance your curse a stage. Just so many fun things in there that are. I really like it. And I'm with you. I've never a big a been a huge fan of oracles, but I would absolutely give the Beast Oracle a whirl, like or the Frost or yeah, there's several in here I think that definitely you know kind of help expand the class enough to if you have you know, the the if the concepts presented with the Oracle didn't interest you, then it's, you know, kind of just a, a dead duck class. You And that's sometimes my problem with these heavily themed classes that you have to have a theme that interests the player. Otherwise, they're not going to care about the class at all. They're like, oh, none of those interest me. Like we talked about that with uh, John and the the sorcerer bloodlines, you know, 
I looked at Sorcerer Bloodlines and I looked at all of them, even though there were ne- numerous numbers of them. But I was like, man, none of these are that interesting. I looked at John's and I was like, oh, my God, there's like at least, you know, four or five sorcerers I would play with this immediately. <laughs> yeah, I think honestly, and this is not like hyperbole at all. I think like if I was at a table where this was an option for me to play, this is, and it's very telling, is the only game that I'm playing in right now. My favorite class has long been the Thaumaturge. And I did not choose to play a Thaumaturge. I chose to play an Oracle based on this content. I think for me, that speaks volumes about the quality of this and how it impacted the way that I see the class from a theming perspective and a mechanical perspective. Like, there's a class there's a class feat that lets you become a cult leader called Mystery <laughs> Cult. It's a level 10 class class feat. Why wouldn't you want to play a uh you know something that's beset upon by some weird voices from outside of yourself and now you lead a cult? I love it. I love all of this. <laughs> I love this. I love all of these feats. They're so fun. Like there's yes. deepest of trances which which will allow you to run two trances at once. Uh, we didn't even get to the like the inebriant part. There's a new whole feat tree in this for if you are trained in medicine, you essentially become an apothecary and you're drugging yourself while you're doing your or it's a real Oracle of Delphi <laughs> feeling, honestly, yeah. as you are drugging yourself as you're doing all this. And there's benefits to medicine skills and healing and overcoming um, various uh, uh, status effects and things. There's this widens the class so much from the pretty much one trick pony status it was at before. I was gonna say, I've heard many, many games. Uh, I every Oracle that I have seen played has been a life Oracle. And I, that's very few Oracles. <laughs> I think it's two. But it's like each time it's like which sometimes tells me when you when people are not talking about the class and they are not, you know, I never see anyone like in our discord theory crafting about oracles, really, and stuff like that. So you, that's when you definitely could tell a class you know, it needs a little help. It's it could be cool. And it needs something like this to really open it up. Like I tell you right now, I would absolutely play an Oracle with Oracles Plus, but without it, nope, <laughs> would never. Yeah, no, do it. <laughs> I I tried hard. Like I ran my first battle Oracle in a game I played, and it was so demoralizing to play that character <laughs> that I never wanted to play an Oracle again until I got this book. It made me viscerally angry to play a battle Oracle. <laughs> so. Where we had issues with Clerics Plus and their class archetype. The class archetype in here is awesome. I love the class archetype in Oracles. It's something called Awakened Oracle. It essentially gives you another step to your curse. When you would become overwhelmed, instead you become awakened, right? And you get some augments to uh, a cantrip. That you would normally, to to your Oracle-granted cantrip, you get an augment to it. So it's kind of like um, a psychic amp almost, but you get it for free once you hit Overwhelmed. And there's sometimes some other action that you get. And it's not all rainbows and sunshine either. Don't get me wrong. That's another thing. Everything about the Oracle is a very push-your-luck type class, right? Uh, Because for, like, the Ashes Oracle, Right? Um, you lose the aura from your moderate curse and up so you can see everything, but your body becomes soft and ash like, and you gain physical uh, damage weakness equal to half your level and uh, expound ash reaction, which essentially allows you to sicken things that critically hit you. Um, you no longer bleed, so that's cool, uh, but it's offset by. All right, you got to stay out of range because you are super squishy now, right? It gives your produce flame ranged attack, which is neat. And if you crit succeed, they have to save against your expound ash reaction so you can give them a second on a crit with your cantrip. It's, it's pretty cool. I mean, we go back to the one that I really like, the mountain. What that does is your scattering, your scatter scree you can now choose to reduce the number of squares that are affected by difficult terrain by one. And then anytime you cast Scatter Scree again, it does not dissipate all of the squares that you did. 
so you can keep stacking difficult terrain around the battlefield with Scatter Scree. And you can use any square on the ground within 15 feet of you as uh, the point of origin for your oracle spells, so you could potentially cast around corners, things like that. But you have to attempt a DC 4 flat check to use any action with the move trait, which includes one of your focus spells, uh, and you become fatigued. Once again, not all sunshine and rainbows, but none of it is like an absolute dumpster of conditions laid on you. It's back to the give and take, push and pull. I also forgot to mention that if you do take this archetype, you can never drop below your minor curse stage, which could be great for you if you're like a battle oracle and you want to stay in your moderate curse all the t- or your minor curse all the time, right? Really cool for you. Uh, but I love this. I think this adds yet again another dimension to playing with an oracle that may be like really getting the business from their mystery but gets a little benefit from it. I love it. And like we saw with the cleric, there is a entire errata section for this of suggesting you know, different changes to already existing options and themes for the character. Yeah. This one I think was really necessary back to the fact that this is a, um, the divine spell list is problematic. And when you're playing a spontaneous caster that has, you know, the limited repertoire and you can't just grab all the divine spells like you could with a cleric, right? And just prepare for the day. There is an errata that gives you uh, granted spells on top of your granted cantrips for your mystery, which I think is greatly, greatly needed for a class that is a spontaneous spell caster that has a fairly small repertoire of spells to go along with their fairly small amount of spell slots if they're a dedicated caster. Uh, I really, really like that a lot. And they eroded a few of the Oracle Focus spells to make them uh, a little bit better uh, and eroded a few of the mysteries to make them a little less onerous or to give them a little bit more uh, utility. Like the Ancestor's you can replace the death domain with the soul domain if you want. With the battle uh, oracle, at 11th level, if you gain the weapon expertise class feature, you also gain expert proficiency for martial weapons, and you become trained in one group of advanced weapons, giving you more reason to do a battle oracle because you get more weapon access, right? Another thing that can be a problem. And they also adjust the curses. Um, they even adjust the oracle dedication here. Once again, a ton of thought went into this. And I think part of like the dichotomy that we're seeing between this and clerics, Christian and I were talking about this before. Um, and I don't want to say that the clerics book is bad, right? I just think this one's better. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that the Oracle was in such need of modification because the class was so mechanically and thematically problematic from a player perspective that there was a lot of room to improve it. Whereas if you're starting with, uh, Team Plus started with Witches Plus and Oracles Plus, which were two classes that, I mean, aren't those two of the classes (laughs) that are up for revamping when we're going through the, the, you know, the core updates or the APG updates that we're getting with the new revitalization. But then they moved on to a couple classes that were not generally considered difficult. The Cleric, which, you know, outside of the divine spells is a perfectly fine class, right? Outside of the problems that you might have with the divine spell list. And the barbarian, which is, I can't think of any, <laughs> like, problems with the barbarian. So if you're trying to take this and make something that's a viable upgrade from the core book uh, in a way that people care about it, you're probably going to err into the area of you're going to err into the side of overdoing it probably in order to replicate the I'm air quoting magic of the other books that made such a positive demonstrable change to a class for you to make a positive demonstrable change to something like a cleric that doesn't really necessarily need it or a barbarian that doesn't really necessarily need it. You're 
probably going to make a few unforced errors in balance. Not to say that they're onerous. And we'll get to barbarians and witches plus the next time we do this. Uh, but that's a little bit of a teaser for how the next one's going to go as well, probably. Yeah, it's like you said, it's, you know, you with classes that are already a crazy solid chassis, like adding more options is great and fantastic. And it, it's very tricky because as soon as you start upping that power level a little or, you know, filling in the shortcomings of the class, it it really starts getting into this other gray area of, you know, the, the joke of you know, Barbarian, for example, you know, Barbarians, yeah, they hit like a truck, but they need a dedicated healer to keep them up. So, but no one has a problem with that. That's that makes sense. Yeah, you, you're easy to hit, but you just freaking annihilate things. So, and with clerics, you know, they're they are the quintessential, you know, uh, companion class for hey, we we need a support character. The cleric is so. You know, the bard is arguably, you know, is slightly different because of the, their ability to, you know, with the songs and granting those bonuses at a, a bigger range than clerics. But other than that, yeah, clerics are so pivotal to keeping a party up, keeping them going that even though the, as I know you feel that the spell casting class, the divine class is a little lackluster in some areas, it's, it's got some really potent stuff that is not duplicated in any other. Area oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Me saying that it's weak is just in comparison to some of the other things, right? Depending on what you want to do, like area denial, you're not going to do it with divine. But if you want area denial, you don't want to play a divine caster. Like there's different levels of support. Like a wizard can be full support, right? A bard is a different type of support from a cleric, right? Um, Typically, I've only ever seen oracles play the support in the form of a life oracle, you know, just a yeah, I've only gigantic ever seen positive energy oracle. battery. <laughs> um, but whenever you get to the point as like trying to shore up a supposed deficiency of a class that is otherwise fine mechanically, you're removing class identity, in my opinion, right? If you try to make a cleric also hit like a truck, why do we have room for the other classes that hit like a truck but don't have divine spells? Yeah. That's a little food for thought on that. Yeah, well, and I understand, too, because, you know, of all the other games, I think Pathfinder 2nd Edition is kind of the first one in the role-playing game space that it is so hard to run a game for not a full party. Like, you could drop down to three, and you can kind of make it work. You can't really drop down to two or one where I remember, you know, growing up and that we did games in third edition and that all the time that were one on one or one on two and had a blast. And it's really hard to do that with second edition because it's not designed that way. So I can absolutely see some of these options being more geared towards, hey, we only have one or two players. So. We need something that is extra that allows characters to fill several roles. And you know, something like that with the the war priest in that that archetype, that is fantastic for that because it does let you get into that area where you don't have to worry about it as much. Right. And and even playing things like dual class, like go and run some numbers on some dual class stuff. It's not nearly as overpowered as like a one e gestalt was. Not even close. Right, because you're just taking your highest class uh, HP and you're combining all the feats, but you're still, you know, two E is so bound by the action economy of the system. So much is balanced around the three action action economy that unless you're giving additional actions moving down to two PCs, the balance shifts so, so drastically um, just because there's just not enough actions to get things done. I don't care how many class feats and stuff you have. If you also have to heal and deal damage, you're going to have a problem if you don't have somebody else picking up the slack somewhere else, right? So like to your point, uh, even using the variant rules that increase power levels, you're still going to run into problems running limited size parties 
that you wouldn't in other systems. Oh, yeah. Christian, it looks like we are way over time now. Well, way we, over time. we knew that was going to happen. Right. We went through two big books that were um, have been requested for quite some time. And we, we have. More. T- yes, you say, and we have two more. So this is why we didn't want to tackle all four at once, because oh we God. knew it would be a two hour show. It might be a blessing <laughs> in disguise that we couldn't get uh, uh, Derry and Tony on because we yeah, never would have gotten through it. <laughs> No, <laughs> we'll get them on and just talk about it, right? Not go through the book. We'll just talk about what they're doing because Team Plus has a lot of irons on the fire. They're doing a lot of cool stuff now. Damn, maybe that'd be fun. They could listen to our review afterwards of the four and then come on and talk to us. Yell at us, throw throw knives yeah, at go us ahead, or whatever. Yell, yell at us and throw <laughs> stones and all that fun stuff. I could take it. But once again, just like every other episode, you look in the episode description, you can find some uh, affiliate links for us at all of the money that we get from that literally goes back into Pathfinder Infinite to buy more stuff to review all the time. And again, highly recommend these books. A lot of fun. You will very much get your money's worth out of them and enjoy them. And the amount of support they have provided the customer, like you said, with Foundry, with Pathbuilder, with uh, Wanderer's Guide, you know, all that stuff. Kudos to them. They, they really did an excellent job and went the extra mile. Absolutely. Well, I think that about runs us out of time for today. I'm Christian. And I'm Trevor. And as always, you guys have a great week. Bye, y'all.